0: Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. It's Kirsty and Isaac here. And in today's episode, we wanted to bring up some of the struggles Amazon sellers have been facing in dealing with compliance and what is now expected of sellers versus what they may have thought that they could do in previous years. This is up-to-date information as of November 2021. So if you're watching this far into the future, things may have changed again. But as of right now, we're going to be speaking about how to stay compliant with Amazon, what you should do as a seller, and basically when you need to do it. So we're not telling you the, all of this to scare you. You know the daylight side of you. We're telling you how to make sure you are protected and staying on the right side of both Amazon's policies and actual laws. If you do things right, you have a lot less to worry about.
0: Yeah, that's right. I was just thinking then about anybody listening to this in the future, right? And saying, oh, that was just so yeah. <laughs> 2021. Like, come on, guys. It's changed so much since then. That'll be like in May 2022, right?
1: And it's crazy because back in, you know, when I was, you, when you thought of the future, when you were growing up, you thought like the year 2000 or, you know, 2020 was like so far in the future. And now we're hearing it. It's like, oh my God, what is happening? Why is it yeah. this place better yet?
0: Yeah, I know, I know. It's same shit, different day, innit? <laughs> But that's right. I mean, we've got lots of things to do. We we talked about, a lot about this in our, you know, in our CEO series, but basically we've got so many, so many different hats to wear, right, as Amazon sellers. And, you know, there's so much information about out there as well, but lots of buried information and lots of new changing information as well. So it's really hard to keep up. So don't beat yourself up if you don't know all the new stuff that's coming out, um, because at the end of the day, there is so much stuff and there's also lots of fear mongering and lots of, you know, rumor and all that other stuff, yeah. right, because... You know, A lot of people do get their current information really from social media, whether that is about Amazon, even news, right? Apparently,
1: yep, uh, <laughs> or alternate news or whatever they call it. Uh, yeah.
0: News. <laughs> alternate, yeah, yeah, or I'm doing my own research, right?
1: yeah, sure you are,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it is really difficult to sort the wheat from the chaff, as we used to say in uh, in Yorkshire, right? So, it can. Be a little bit of a minefield, because as we know, people post on social media, usually it's some interpretation of the truth, right, based on their particular view of what's going on. It can also be just based on someone's fear about what might be going on, someone's past experience. I know I've done that before. I've kind of made an opinion on something, but it's really just been based on what has happened to me in the past, right? And so I just think it's that track, you know, but when you actually stand back and look at it and be objective it's usually not the case.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about this in like a weather uh, analogy, like just because it's raining in Denver, Colorado, doesn't mean it's rainy and cloudy everywhere else in the the world. Right. So, you know, what's happening to one person isn't necessarily what's happening to everybody else.
0: Yeah. So we have to be really objective and and kind of, you know, have an out-of-body experience sometimes and uh, just kind of like think about, is it a rumor or is it a fact? And, you know, Let's just think about it. You know, are the facts being colored in some way, right? Yeah. So, to get clear for one of a better term and sort out the facts from the rumor, what we're going to talk about today is how to be compliant as of right now with Amazon and also when you need to make adjustments in your business as well. So, this is what we're going to be including today. So, number one is really that, you know, the difference between what the amazon policy says versus what is actually federal or state law and we're talking specifically there obviously about the us yeah. but if you you know you're working in the uk markets or the eu markets there's different laws there versus what amazon say as well right and also different to the us also being compliant with what with your marketing and there's a big kind of uh, rumor mill at the moment around that right so um again we just have to look at the facts and kind of make a judgement as to What actually, you know, makes sense, even though we don't want it to make sense, right? Because we've been doing a lot of stuff in the past, but we just have to kind of look at the facts and and kind of go with that. Also having business insurance to sell on Amazon with FBA, that's been a big thing that's um, been in the either, you know, the rumor mills, but also specifically from Amazon themselves. Also getting trademarks to help with protection and verification on Amazon, we actually had an episode, we've got a couple of episodes about this, actually, but a, re- a yeah. recent one, I think it was the last one that we did.
1: Yeah, I so. um,
0: That was a really good one, you know, really good tips about, you know, what you should be doing to get trademarks. Also making sure that your products are compliant and they've got the right safety certifications as needed. And make sure that you do that before you launch it, right? Um, you don't want to be in a situation where you don't have that. And then also having good quality products, right, to avoid any policy violations. The more you can do that right up front, of course, nobody wants to sell a crap product, but sometimes we kind of cut corners, right, to get that product to market. So it is very important because it can really bite you on the bum.
1: Yeah, exactly. Track. Yeah, and, and and that's usually by accident is how that kind of comes about, right? So those policy violations for bad products but let's first talk about why you need to get clear on what Amazon requires versus what is a law in the country that the product's being sold in, because Amazon's not a law enforcement agency. And just because they don't require something to to happen doesn't mean that the country that you're selling in doesn't, right? So just because Amazon doesn't say, Hey, you need a customs uh, documentation to put your um, goods into Amazon, doesn't mean the country that you're importing into is saying you don't need that, right? So let's first talk about importation laws. Basically, you know all goods are subject to duties and customs clearance in any country right so if you ship it to any country i've ne- well i haven't shipped to every country but every country that i have shipped to obviously requires customs clearance and duties to be paid and sometimes obviously taxes so like vat in the uk and in germany and the U- eu and stuff like that you'll actually have to pay vat so taxes on your importation of your goods whereas you don't have to pay the taxes on that particular type of tax is on stuff in the U.S., but you do have to pay duties and customs. So you can't bring anything illegal or improperly reported to the, into the country. If you do, they'll either ship it back to where it came from or they will find out who you are and they will arrest you for attempted you know, illegal activity, right? So you definitely don't want to fall on the wrong side of, of the laws there. On top of obvious things like guns and human trafficking and stealing artifacts, there are some actual good things to be aware of because things like pesticides, wool, textiles, fur, wildlife, and pets, many electronic items, food, drugs, and medical devices, and even, you know, things that like you wouldn't think like unfinished paper products, right? So you can't import timber necessarily into the US because they lobbied a lot to keep timber as a, as a US um, resource that they're still manufacturing here. So some products fall in these categories, whether you know it or not. So you definitely want to make sure you get clear before you place your order. Can I ship this into the US? What are the restrictions to do so? This is not to say that you can't do pesticides, wool and textiles and all that stuff. You can, you just have to have extra, you know, documentation, you have to actually clear it through, and you might be subject to more inspections than um, normal at Customs and, and Border uh, Patrol. The other things that you need to be aware of are a- of actual laws are spam laws about maliciously contacting customers via email with misleading subject lines or websites that deal with children's products and direct their marketing to children under 13, because that actually has an extra scrutiny called the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act as well. So if you have a website that you have products for all kids under 13, and you're specifically kind of targeting them as the consumer, you need to be very, very wary of how you do that. Because you can't just say like, hey, kids go out and buy this, like, it's the best thing ever. Like, there's certain things about there. And then how you actually interact with them. And, and, pull their information or how, you know, the the information is pulled on cookies and stuff like that. There's some pretty sketchy stuff there. So you definitely need to make sure that you're on the right side of the law with that. And, you know, obviously, you know, you don't want to go spam people and say like, you know, get this, you know, awesome miracle thing. And then like they open it up and it's like, buy this ice scraper. It's like, that's that's not the same thing. Like that's absolutely spam, right? So you don't want to be doing that either. And that's especially clear in the EU and UK now with with their spam laws as well. Uh, The other thing is obviously taxes. All products must have applicable taxes for the jurisdiction that it's sold and paid, collected and paid, obviously. Not all jurisdictions require tax payments. The good news here is that Amazon now collects and remits sales tax for all jurisdictions in the US. So you don't actually have to file and collect anything anymore. Uh, If you are currently doing, you can basically wrap it all up. Uh, Basically, Amazon is now the, um, I think it's called like something like the, the, the uh, something on file, I can't remember what the, the marketplace on file or something like that, that basically has to do this now. So you only have to worry about any sales you make off of Amazon. So if you have your own website, Shopify store or anything like that, that is off Amazon. And if you sell into jurisdictions that give you nexus, or you store goods in some place, or you pass a certain threshold of amount of sales in a certain place, that might mean you need to collect and remit sales tax for those sales that are off Amazon. So if you don't know that, and you get a letter from, you know, Georgia or California saying, Hey, by the way, we noticed you have sold X amount of stuff into California, you need to be paying sales taxes, here's your bill. And you didn't know that you you could either be kind of screwed by the tax bill, or you might actually face some, some legal trouble. So you definitely need to understand that before you start saying, Hey, I am going to really sell a bunch of products. Now, for the most part, if you don't sell a ton off Amazon, like if you say you're you're you know never pass over a thousand dollars in any in any particular state, you're probably free and clear of that. And you only have nexus from the place that you live in because that's where your office is or your you know, house is, and you don't store goods anywhere else outside of Amazon, you're probably pretty good. So that's kind of the thing, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't just double check you know, jurisdictions that you might be getting a lot of sales from because they might have certain sales thresholds. So just make sure about that. And another thing, and this isn't the last thing, but it's next major thing, and it's probably about the the US laws that you kind of require and what Amazon requires is UPC codes. These are actually required to create listings on Amazon and you need to have your own. So like you can't just take somebody else's UPCs and slap them on your products. Um, You don't even actually need to put them on your products. You just need to have them to create the listings. And it's best practice to get them through GS1 barcodes. Um, That's kind of the official barcode supplier. And if you do that, You'll have a lot less issues going down the road because that's the only one that that Amazon basically says is the certified representative agency that allows barcodes to be sold. So that's the one that they, you know, scour through if they're trying to check your your, your uh, UPC authenticity. Um, and obviously, you can give, register it to your your LLC or your brand name or whatever you want to do there. Um, to make sure that when you sell it on Amazon, they can cross-check that for you. So those are some really big tax and Amazon policy things that you need to be aware of in order to protect yourself from just running afoul and getting into some really big trouble.
0: Yeah, and a good one there, actually, the one that you talked about, you know, the taxes, the, that's really good news, right? Because that was like a, I would say, a, um, a book clencher, right? For a lot of people um, over the last few years, because... Um, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know, should we, should Amazon do it? Should we do it? You know, if we're just selling on Amazon. So that's some really, really good news that has come out about recently. But like you said, yeah. if you're selling on your website and stuff like that, it could be very, very different. You don't want to get caught out on that one. Yeah. Um, so the next thing really, you know, you want to be compliant with is your marketing practices, because there are a lot of things that fall into this category. So, and this has been a big kind of talking point recently, right? So in terms of uh, policy, you cannot make any false or overly exaggerated statements about your product. Right. So this, this means like claims really, you know, if you're claiming that you're say you've got a supplement vitamin uh, D or vitamin C, you can't say that it's going to solve scurvy. Right. Or things <laughs> like that. Right. <laughs> I don't know if anybody gets scurvy these days. That's the only thing I can think of there. Yeah. Um, but you know, even though th- there may have been some studies in the past that show that if you have a lot of vitamin c that that can it can help prevent scurvy it doesn't mean to say that your product has been specifically tested for that right yep. and um pharmaceuticals or you know companies that make these claims they they invest in clinical trials in studies so that they can actually make these claims if yep. you haven't got that you can't claim it so just because someone else claims it doesn't mean they say that you can claim it right yep um, That brings me to making any medical claims. So you can't make any medical claims unless you've got a verified study to prove it. Also, Amazon restricts a lot of these products to even make these claims anyway, because they know that probably most people don't have the clinical studies to back it up. So a lot of people, you might be able to list the product, but it might get taken down later and things like that as well. So something that is usually um, a, a thing here that people don't really think about is medical devices. So a medical device is something that is not, you don't orally take it, right? Or you don't really, um, there's no absorption into the skin or anything like that. It's usually a device that you use on the body to help. And you might not think of it as a medical device, but if still, again, if you're making a claim. So um, we had someone recently who was looking at something that could help stop snoring, right? I actually used to work on a product that helped stop snoring called Breathe Right. It is a medical device. If you're making a claim, that it can help stop snoring, then it's a medical device, right? And so you have to have FDA approval. And just because the main brand out there has got FDA approval, doesn't mean to say that you automatically get that, right? So you have to be very wary about things like that. It doesn't mean to say that you can't sell them, but wherever you're, you're manufacturing it, the manufacturer has to have FDA approval and you have to double check that it is real FDA approval and yeah. not just some certificate that they've made
1: up. Right. Yeah. It could even be like shoe inserts. Right. So like those orthotics and stuff, you might not think of them as medical devices, but if you make any sort of claim, like helps you with back posture and, and straightens your spine or whatever, anything like that, it's a medical device. If you just said it's comfortable, maybe not, but
0: yeah,
1: I mean, it's yeah. a whole different reason to have a shoe insert. Right.
0: Yeah. And people listening to this might go, yeah, that's so obvious. And especially about making claims around, you know, curing cancer and things like that is sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised because what people tend to do is, is kind of divorce, divorce themselves from the keyword research to the claims. And so what they do is they go, Oh yeah, this is, this can help uh, cancer say, right. And so they'll put that in their listing because they think it's a keyword, not realizing that actually it's, you're claiming something here that you shouldn't be claiming. So it's, um, it might sound obvious, uh, but you'd be surprised at how many people actually do it, not realizing that they're actually making a claim. Yeah. Also, um, a big talking point recently, you, even though this has been going on for years, right. But I think, um, it's never been as explicit as it is right now so you cannot use third-party services to get sales using any of these types of methods so you've probably heard of a lot of these probably jargon words if you like but you know super URLs two-step URLs basically what this means is it's a it's a link that has certain kind of words in it that helps you rank better on Amazon right it can, it can have a code in there it can have a you li- can have words in there however they do it right and so what it does is it works with Amazon's algorithm to essentially help you get ranked quicker. So that's kind of how they came around. Also search, find, buy discount incentives. What this basically means is if you're giving a discount to someone, either someone, maybe an email list that you have or friends and family, and you say to them specifically, I want you to use this discount and I want you to go on Amazon, search using this keyword and find it and then buy it. Even though that's exactly how most people would actually buy the product right it's more about the fact that we're telling people to literally do that which would be against terms of service if people if you just give someone a coupon code and say hey we've got an awesome deal right now going on the product but you don't tell them specifically how to do it you don't send them via a super url or a two-step url or whatever then that should be perfectly fine because you're not manipulating ranking, right? You're not specifically telling them to do a certain thing to enable them to buy the product. You're literally giving them a discount. So I think that's where the fine line is. Now, some people will be, well, kind of, I've always been doing this. And so I might just continue to do it because it's still not that explicit. These were actually things that were explicitly spoken about on a forum post by an Amazon exec, right? So it's not literally in the terms of service, but someone from Amazon actually came out and said, this is exactly what it means. Right. And so there could be some, you know, interpretation there. Well, it still isn't specifically in the policy in terms of these actual terms. But what we would say is, you know what, if it feels wrong, right, then it's probably not the right thing to do. Right. And so there's other things like that as well. Paid incentives. I'm going to literally pay you to go and buy my product and do it using these methods rebates we've all known that these rebates really probably against terms of service right it's just that they're harder to find out whether you've actually used a rebate or not off amazon sales funnels um so again it's it's a very similar thing around using super urls and two-step urls uh treasure hunts or any other method of sale that would cause manipulation of amazon's ranking system basically so basically like we said don't it's like playing russian roulette right there's going to be some people that do these things and never have any issues with amazon and there's going to be some people unfortunately that will get shut down and so you can kind of like skate on thin ice if you like and hope that you don't get shut down and maybe you never will um but there's always that risk that you that you will right so we would never say don't literally do this right but when you're actually looking at trying to figure out the facts if it feels like it's wrong and it it sounds like it's specifically manipulating ranking, then it's going to be against terms of service, right? Yeah.
1: And I think if you just ask yourself, Hey, am I doing this to get ranking? It's probably, is probably not going to be allowed.
0: <laughs> exactly. And we don't like to, we, we want to find a way around it. Right. We that Of course everybody does. Right. Because we want to get those sales. We want to get ranked. We want to make sure that we, that we, um, uh, rank organically as quickly as possible because Mm -hmm. that's where we make our money. Right. But there are definitely ways that you can do this. And really your safest bet is to use Amazon's tools. That's why they created them. Now, do we have to pay them? Do we, are we giving more money to Amazon? All that, you know, this is what comes into our heads, right. As as sellers and we get annoyed with it, but at the end of the day, it's like anything, if you're going to, if you're going to sell a product in a, in a supermarket or in a, in a retail store, They ask you to make sure that you sell through that product, right? So they will buy the product from you, but then they'll be like, okay, well, we want you to pay us X amount of money so that we can put it on display. We also want you to spend X amount of money on advertising with us. And we want to make sure that the customer sees it. And so it's exactly the same with Amazon, right? So that's what you have to think about these things. It's not that Amazon are trying to just make money off of us, which actually probably they are right but at the end of the day that's how you have to play the game right so things like amazon's tools to get sales and reviews we can use amazon vine i think we have to even pay for that now that's just like a new thing that's come through
1: yeah
0: but hopefully if we have to pay for it we'll actually get a better result from it because that could that was a little bit hit and miss as well trying to get reviews right amazon ppc this can be a joy to work with. It can be the worst thing ever to work with for many reasons. Um, but usually it's because we haven't made sure that our products are going to make money if we're going to use Amazon PPC, right? And so that's the usually the reason why. But it's an awesome tool. It gives you great data. And it also um, allows you to be able to track everything um, to make sure that you know exactly what's going on in the business. Amazon coupons, Amazon promotional codes. on And you can use the promotional codes on Amazon or you can just use them direct to the Amazon listing. So you could send an email to an email list that you have and say, hey, here's an awesome discount that I've got currently going. Here it is, go and buy it on Amazon, but not go and search and find and buy it or with a super URL, right? Yeah. There's also Amazon deals, prime exclusive discounts and lightning deals can be awesome as long as you've got the right... Um, metrics, right? You know, it's already a great product. It's got great reviews. It's got, um, you know, you've got, you know, 4.5 stars and plus, and you're already ranked well. That's when they work the best. But these are all tools, and I'm sure that Amazon's going to come out with more in the future as well. Also, if you're using a third-party service to launch and get ranking, or if you are using URLs that mimic search results to increase ranking, we would recommend probably stop doing this because you're going to get caught likely going to get caught, right? And your account can be shut down for ranking manipulation. So, you know, at the end of the day, no one, there's there's no specific thing to say you cannot use this specific tool, right? However, like we said, if we feel like there's manipulation there, then it's likely that you can't use that tool and you could actually be shut down in the future. In terms of review gathering, we've known this for a long time, but you know, you can't use any incentives to get in a review. Right. You can't say, write a review and receive a free product, or write a review and get a bonus. And you definitely can't say that you want them to write a five star review. Right. So if you've got (laughs) any of that, that real early. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If you've got any of that on any of the inserts anywhere, it's probably a a good, good time to kind of stop saying that. Um, But you can request a review through Amazon system. So as soon as basically, what's it called again? The request a review button, request right? Request review, yep. Yeah. There's a lot of tools out there as well that allow you to kind of batch these things as well. So you don't have to literally go into each order and request a review. You can actually batch these up. But This has been a great way to get ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. I think it's the easiest way to get reviews these days. I mean, I've never seen anything so, so easy, right? Yeah. Especially when you first launch a product. So you just need to get those sales at first, but you know, this is the best way to do it. So that's what you want to be able to do is use that. And it's number one, obviously, it's compliant. Number two, it's actually quick and easy, and people do it really, really easily. Yeah. And also, you can't infringe on someone else's trademark to sell your goods either, right? So you don't want to be using any, any other brand names in your listing unless you've got an accessory. So say you're using iPhone cases, right? Um, but you need to be able to state that it's compatible with iPhone, Samsung, etc. Right. Yeah. I got caught out on this one very early when I was first selling. I was selling a jump rope. I didn't realize that CrossFit was actually a, a brand name um, and trademarked, and uh, so I called it for CrossFit, which it was for the actual use of CrossFit. Um, but my listing did actually get shut down. Luckily, CrossFit were actually quite a good company, and they were cool with it as long as I took it out. But you know, some of the brands might not be the same, and it, you could end up just losing the product for doing something like that, even though you
1: didn't intend to. Yeah. And I mean, there's probably a lot more things like that where like, you know, you, you try to use something, whether you know it or not. Like I think Instapot was one of those ones that like a lot Mm. of people are doing like accessories for and not putting compatible with. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other rules out there too. Um, These are just the most obvious, most kind of caught out ones that people have got caught for in the past. And we just want to make sure that you know that these things happen because these are first thing when you start selling on amazon you start thinking of how can i beat the system <laughs> and these are ways that we know you can't beat the system because everybody's tried and everybody's failed or most people that have tried have failed so um in and some of the riskier stuff like that people haven't got caught out for yet it's i mean i think it's it's on the it's on the horizon i mean like i said i mean this was years ago when there was a lot of manipulation of reviews going on I said amazon could just go like that and stop uh, review manipulation immediately and that's actually what they did they they took away like loads of reviews off of their entire platform, went and scanned each one, basically manually did a review and then started putting the reviews back. And that really hurt a lot of people's sales because even if they did them all, like they were they're like all legitimately, they had to have all their reviews wiped away. And then Amazon put them back as they started reviewing them, yeah. which was pretty crazy. And, and that's what Amazon can do. Like they can reset the whole system if they want, and just say, let's start from scratch and see who is actually doing it right. So if you that thought, yeah, i have got a way yeah. with it in the past, it might not happen.
0: That put a lot of people out of business.
1: Yeah, didn't it, it did. I mean, um, <laughs> we know you, several people that never re, their, got their business back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it feels awesome at the time, because, you know, you're getting all these sales, you're getting all the money. But, and, uh, but literally overnight I mean that was a, that nearly broke the Amazon internet right, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, what? yeah I mean when you wake up and you have like 13 reviews and you had three thousand thousand so, yeah. it's like oh yeah. well how did you get 3,000 but that's what they were looking at right so um, yeah and so after you have your products and your marketing compliant that's where you want to get your business compliant as well because there are actual things like Amazon has sent both of my brands a letter stating you need business insurance for your company. Uh, but it's not just like right away so you don't have to think okay i have to get amazon business insurance before i even have a product now that's actually not true so don't let anybody tell you this so um, you definitely do want to get amazon business insurance for your business but you're only required to do that after you hit ten thousand dollars in cumulative sales so if you're in the u.s market obviously that's the that's the threshold for that marketplace um, and you do have a 30-day deadline so once you hit ten thousand dollars that's when you would say go turn to somebody and say hey here's what i've done i need to get um uh, brand and uh, you know Amazon Business brand insurance basically for your company, and that's when they will actually create it. And usually, it doesn't take thirty days to get the policy, so you can you know date it from that that day or whatever, and you're still within compliance. So uh, you can't sell uh, on Amazon without meeting their uh, minimum requirements for insurance anymore either. So there is a million dollar liability policy, so that's required. Um, there's a few more things kind of within that, but you have to be able to insure your business for a million dollar coverage policy and if you're thinking oh man that sounds like it's going to be expensive it's really not i actually for my oldest brand that has done you know half a million dollars in sales in a year or whatever it was about fifteen hundred dollars for a year um for my newest brand i think it was like 600 dollars a year um and that i think maybe has done since its inception i don't know maybe 150 thousand something like that in about a year uh, maybe 200 i'm not sure but that was about 600 so Most businesses aren't going to be like, oh, man, this is such a huge burden. It's not. It's really, really tiny unless you have high-risk products like child safety products, like if you're doing anything with baby feeding or, you know, a lot of these, you know, like uh, safety harnesses or something like that. Yeah. Anything that says safety in it, you're probably going to get a higher insurance rate. I actually have an electrical guitar cable, um, and that actually wasn't that bad. Like, it took a while to find somebody who would insure it. but um, the, the policy on that was was not that high. So that was pretty good to know. Um, we do have some specific people that we recommend working with. Um, Ashlyn Haddon for US sellers. I will put that link in the show notes below. Um, they actually know how Amazon works and that's what you want to work with. You want to work with a profession who understands Amazon, not just general business liability and product liability because they might not know how to get you the right documents to actually upload it to Amazon. And you spend all that time trying to figure out what the policy is and the right, you know, the document and all that stuff, and then by then your your 30-day grace period might be over, and you have to figure out how to get your uh, seller account back up. So, um, at that point, you also want to start looking at getting trademarks to help protect your company on Amazon. This isn't a compliance requirement yet, but the way that Amazon treats brands that have brand registry by getting their company trademark is drastically different than ones that don't. Like. It's like if you don't have a trademark, they almost don't care to help you try to protect your brand. If you do have brand registry in a trademark, they will actually pay some attention to you and, and try to help you with any sort of dispute on Amazon. So it's basically in your best interest to get a trademark as soon as, as soon as the products are live. Some people say before, um, I would say as soon as you start selling it, like legitimately start selling it, that's probably the the first, I would say it's probably the the deadline of when you when you probably want to start start that process of trademark. Um, again, it's not required right away, but you also don't want to lose your trademark potential. So if you have a really good brand name and you're like, this is it, I have to get this brand name, you might want to trademark that earlier, just so that way you don't lose that. Um, definitely get the domain as as uh, Anita Mar from Trademark Angel was saying last week um, or last episode, um, definitely go out and get that URL, the domain. So that way you can at least show some sort of, of uh, presence, right? Um, She also mentioned to look into China and get a trademark there, which uh, helps you protect yourself from suppliers and competitors trademarking your name there. Because if they do that, then they can actually stop you from exporting your goods out of China, which is pretty insane that that, that's a law. But um, you definitely want to look into that sooner rather than later, especially if you start getting up and and selling pretty well on Amazon. Also work with uh, a profession who knows what they're doing with both of those things. And we do recommend Trademark Angel. Uh, we'll put the link to that as well in the um, the, the show notes. Um, that's for North America. There are probably other ones for, and they probably will do actually more more than just North America. But they are located, I believe, in Canada. For memory,
0: yeah, she said that right. Um, yeah. I think it was in uh, Ontario or somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, this is a it's it's one of those things, right? Because what we don't want people to do is get stuck because they're like oh i can't launch my product yet because i need the trademark right and so um don't let it stop you but just don't let it go for five years and then you're like oh now i can't trademark my brand after you've built this awesome brand
1: right? which we've seen people do as well and it's like yeah i mean one of the one of the brands i started with a big brand um couldn't trademark their name because it was too similar to things but it'd been selling for three four years and they were like well now what like we have no protection
0: yeah it's um yeah, that's that's just silly, isn't it? But yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to stop you moving forward. Definitely no. not. Um, so then, you know, we've got the business compliant, we've got the selling practices compliant. We also need to make sure that our products are also compliant, right? And so you've got to, you know, there's a lot more restricted items that are coming through that sometimes you don't actually know about until you until you want to list it, right? But these are these are the restricted items that we kind of know in terms of the categories. So baby stuff. That can be restricted. Uh, anything with batteries, flammable products. You know, products with hazardous materials, um, hazmat. Right? Food or es- essentially anything ingestible. Anything that you can put into your body, basically. Lotions because that's or creams because that's still even though you're not putting it in your mouth, it's absorbed by the body. Um, so anything that goes on the skin. Also electronics or mobile electronics. Right. So there's there's lots of safety issues and certifications that you need, um, whether you're selling in the US, and usually they're different, right? If you've got the US market or the EU market, or even the UK market now might be different to the EU market. So it's not as simple as what it kind of used to be, right? Everybody's getting a lot more compliant in their own marketplaces and stuff. So you want to make sure that you are 100% compliant with all the certifications, the testing procedures, the material safety data sheets, anything else essentially, that is required to be legally sold. Um, so number one, I would say is to figure out what those restricted items are, ASAP or the categories. If you're just starting out, avoid those categories, like just honestly yeah. just going into something that is, doesn't require all that stuff. It's way easier. And then if you want to go into it later, that's totally fine. But then you've got things moving, right? So just make it easy for yourself and don't like put yourself into those areas. And we, we kind of tend to not because we don't know right when we first start and so um you know then we come up against these these roadblocks and it can take months and then people get into this feedback loop with amazon and then they never seem to go anywhere because they don't know how to talk about it right so make sure you do that if you sat here thinking what product should i be doing and selling in now you can sell some type of restricted products, but you also have to go through that application process. You have to submit safety certifications and all this other stuff. So you need to have know what the product is. You need to have done all the research first. You need to have found your manufacturer before you can even list it on Amazon. Right. And so if you don't again, if you don't know all that stuff and they don't have it, you're screwed, right? So we've had a, quite a few people that have got right to that stage and they've even got the product on the water. And then they're like, oh. I could I can't actually list it. (laughs) So it's a bit uh it's a bit of an issue. And Amazon actually do have their own safety lab partners that they can certify the products as well. So that is Amazon.com forward slash SP for S for sugar, P for Peter, N for Nigel. (laughs) Compliance, basically SPN compliance. So Amazon.com forward slash spn compliance. So that's that's a really good resource um, to get into as well. So you also want to have good quality products to avoid defects, injuries, and any other safety issues that come along with selling bad quality goods, right? So we want to make sure that we head these off at the pass. So Amazon now have a defect policy rate of 1%. So if you've got a defect rate higher than that, you can actually lose your selling privileges. So say you're first starting out, you launch a new product, you haven't got a proper sample, you haven't tested it. Um, You haven't had a safety test on it before it actually, you know, um, was shipped. And if you get a 1% defect rate, that's you, gone, right? And it's really difficult to get that back if you've never sold before, right? It's even difficult to get it back when you're still selling. But if you've got no history, it's a red flag to Amazon. They're just going to be like, nah, gone, right? So it's really important that you get samples, um, that you test them out, and that you make sure that the, the Product is good is really good quality and you get all those inspections before they before they come. Don't get it done when it comes to the US. It's too late, right? So unless you're obviously manufacturing in the US. Um, but we had someone um who paid a lot of money for a done for you service that said they were going to do all this stuff, right? And he never even got the sample. So he's now launching a product. Now there's nothing wrong with it per se. We don't know that yet, right? But he's never had a sample. He doesn't know. Like what it looks like. He's never been able to test it. And so, if any of you guys are in that situation, just make sure if you're working with an agency like that, you want to see the product, you want to be able to test it for yourself. Right. Also, you can't sell counterfeit products or altered versions of a product on a pre existing listing. So, you can't sell your own version of a spatula, right, on Oxo's listing, for example. You can't sell your own version of Nike trainers on Nike's listing. Right. So, don't try and play that game. Might sound like it's a good idea, um, but you'll probably get caught out. And uh, then they've probably already got like a lot of things in place to get people off like that, off their listings, right? It's not a good idea. And,
1: And I mean, I think a lot of going over a compliance episode will probably scare a lot of people and they'll say, oh, there's a lot of effort here and I have to know so much about Amazon. I'll give you kind of just like a really easy way to understand the rules of Amazon and just pretty much laws in general. If you're doing something that's you know is probably a bad idea and it's probably wrong or immoral or unethical, don't do that. If you do that, you're going to get caught, and if you get caught, you're going to get shut down. Right. So, literally, just as a rule, a general rule here, everything that we talked about is it is it would be either illegal or against the policy of a fair platform. Right. So, if you're doing something that's unfair or illegal and you know it or have a sneaking suspicion that that's the case. Don't do it right. So, if you're not going to do that, then you already know that you're okay to sell on Amazon. And that's what we tell people you know, just don't try to cheat and you should be okay. You should be able to sell and have a legitimate business on Amazon. And that's pretty much how we've run our business. You know, you wiggle some things here and there every once in a while, but it's not like you're out there, you know, trying to maliciously harm other competitors or you're trying to, you know, find up the most creative ways to hack the systems and stuff like that, which. There are people out there. So if you ever see somebody saying, oh, we found a great Amazon hack, they're going to lead you down a path of terror because as soon as that is discovered by Amazon, you're likely to lose your Amazon selling ability. So stop doing that. Um, Just think to yourself, what are the legitimate ways to sell? Um, go back and watch all 89 episodes of our podcast before this and you'll find out what the legitimate episode, uh, your legitimate ways to sell on amazon are right but uh in all seriousness, you don't have to go through 89 episodes but um basically it's it's everything but what we just talked about today or most things other than what we talked about today so, yeah
0: and also this is like a this is like a compliance pie right that you're eating right now so you probably feel a bit full <laughs> but yeah. it's like i really wanted that like you know gooey rich chocolate cake and then you have like one slice of it and you're like oh my god right yeah. so it's not that you know you have to do all these things all at once like we said but you just need to be aware of these things and like you said you know if you if you feel like it's probably against tos because it just doesn't feel right then it probably is right
1: yeah yeah they uh, they don't have to always say like everything um like so an illegal contract so like this is why terms of service uh, amazon's terms of service are so vague because in a legal contract They want to be able to have a wide net, right? So if you're doing something illegal against that contract, and and that's why we we basically sign up for this, but we don't know what the actual fine details are because they want to have that wide net to say, you've actually done something that we consider manipulation. We didn't know that it existed yet. So now that we do, now we can actually take action because it falls under this net. That's why they don't specifically tell it. Because if they told you only certain things, well, you would stop doing those things, but then you'd find another thing, right? So that's why they don't tell you, but they, they leave that wide net out there. So if it does feel like you're you're cheating the system, you probably are, and it's probably against Amazon in terms of service. And if they get caught, if you get caught or the service that you're using gets caught, uh, it's likely going to lead to a problem with with uh, Amazon later. So just to kind of recap what we talked about today. So number one was the difference between Amazon policies and what is federal or state law or you know country law. Uh, also number two, being compliant with your marketing practices and not basically selling something in a way that is false or in a way that misleads or uh, manipulates ranking and reviews on Amazon. Also, you want to have Amazon business insurance. So you have to have business insurance to sell on Amazon these days. Um, You also want to get trademarks to help with protection and verification on Amazon. And you get uh, more help from Amazon as well when you do that. And then also we talked about making sure your products are compliant with safety certifications as needed, and you're not selling restricted products if you can avoid it. And then we also talked about having good quality products to avoid policy violations in general, because, you know, even by accident, you might have a poor quality product. And because you didn't do inspections or whatever, um, it's now at Amazon. And of course, it's going to have a high defect rate. So we want you to make sure that you are steering clear of that. So guys, remember, now that you're armed with this information, it's your job to implement it into your business and grow your business through action. Also to get some free training on what it takes to have a successful business to feel your lifestyle, head to goteamreal.com to download our free training today. We'll see you next week for the next sprint to profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to
0: subscribe and if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com
1: for some absolutely free training.